Hello friends, welcome to Black Dog episode 2. This episode is going to be titled The Story. It was pointed out to me after my last episode that I assumed that everyone knew my story when that may not actually be true. So I thought I'd take a few minutes and give some background on that and why uh, we're talking about wine and uh, what relation that has to my story. So uh, my name is Corey. I'm pretty certain you all know that because there, are, I think, are only about seven people who listen to this. So at any rate, um, I've been a covenant pastor for 24 years and graduated from seminary in 1995 and have served evangelical covenant churches all across the country, starting in Massachusetts and ending in California. The Shorter version of the story is that we moved here to Santa Rosa in 2012 for a job at a covenant church here, and I served at that church for um, several years, and then three years ago, my position was eliminated, and so suddenly found myself without call, and have in the time since then done a whole bunch of different things, substitute taught, I drove limo, um, and uh, worked in Denver helping a church transition between pastors for 14 months, and now find myself selling wine. And so because I love wine, first of all, and second of all, because the I'm talking about it and learning about it every day. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to start this podcast looking at the biblical imagery around wine and uh, some of the ideas that that brings out. And so that's a little bit of background to give you some context for this kind of random look at wine in the scriptures. So... Um, that's where we're starting. So wine as a concept in the Bible is pretty fascinating. We talked last time about the first mentions, or a couple of the first mentions of wine in the scriptures, and some of the stranger aspects of those, uh, Noah cursing Ham, and uh, Melchizedek's daughters um, seducing him, getting him drunk, and some of the weird stuff and questions that that raises. But today I wanted to look at just wine as a symbol. Uh, in the Old Testament especially, we find that um, this one of the symbols of God's blessing for his people was for them to plant vineyards and to drink the wine that those vineyards then produced, which is, I think, a symbol of you know longevity. It's a symbol of... Uh, providence and God uh, giving people a place. And uh, the opposite is also true that the they can be a, it can be a symbol of God's judgment to plant vineyards and to not be able to drink the wine, uh, which would suggest that the people are you know removed from the land because they have forgotten the covenant and not done what God had asked them to do. And so 
they do the work of planting the vineyards, but they don't get to enjoy the fruit of that labor. So one uh, dictionary that I looked at had uh, a couple of metaphors for that reflect on wine reflecting the goodness of life or the goodness of God's blessing on life. Uh, some of those are, uh, it says, one who fears the Lord will have a wife like a fruitful vine. I'm sure all the women out there love that image, but um, that's from Psalm 128 or uh, another psalm, which is a family favorite of ours, is that God provides the wine that gladdens the heart. Um, and then the idea that he withholds that same wine as a form of judgment. Drinking wine and eating bread were symbols of peace, it says, and prosperity, and Israel's restoration from judgment and captivity as a time of abundant produce from the vineyards. Actually, one of my favorite images from the Old Testament uh, that has to do with wine is from the prophet Isaiah, and he has this beautiful vin vision of shalom and restoration for God's people. If you're familiar with the book of Isaiah, you know that it alternates between Isaiah pronouncing God's judgment on the people of Israel and then uh, re pronouncing God's uh, promised restoration. And in one of those passages, um, Isaiah says that on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. So this beautiful image of God removing um, what most understand to be death, the shroud that enfolds all peoples and the sheet that covers all nations, then um, wiping away the tears and sorrow uh, and preparing and bringing them to this rich feast for for everyone. So wine is a symbol of a lot in the scriptures, feasts and celebrations and weddings. And of course, if you're familiar with the ministry of Jesus, we know that the first miracle that Jesus performs is at the wedding of Cana in the Gospel of John, and another one of my favorite images where Jesus is there at the party and enjoying uh, just being, I assume, with his family and friends when Mary uh, tells him that they're out of wine. And so he, after some conversation with her, which is a whole other issue or um, story, but produces uh, really good wine. And it's a shocking thing for the host because usually the the best wine is served first because your palate is uh, not going to recognize really great wine after you've been drinking all evening so but Jesus produces this amazing wine and it's a symbol of of joy and welcome in the presence of God's kingdom it's interesting that as we look at those images and this image of welcome and God's the presence of God's kingdom and shalom and um, this idea from Isaiah that um, 
that one day God will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. That this idea of welcome and hospitality is what really is appealing to me about wine and and it and wine as an image in the scriptures because uh, while it is an image of or it can be an image of judgment it seems to me that more often it's an image of God the presence of God's shalom the presence of God's kingdom and the presence of of welcome and the image of the feast of God's people gathered around the table enjoying each other's company and enjoying um, great food and wine and the presence of God himself. So it's interesting in that sense that we see these images and, and when I talk about wine with people, it's always in the context of story and in the context of fellowship or community um, I like to tell people that you can have the best wine in the world, but if you are sitting around a table where you, where you know you are not welcome or where there's strife and division, uh, that wine isn't going to taste very good. It might still be technically great wine, but you won't remember it as such because the experience surrounding it uh, taints, taints it in that sense. So as we move forward, or as we look at what it means to follow Jesus in the world, for me, a huge part of that has to do with hospitality and welcome, and how do we welcome our neighbors, even in the midst of disagreement, or in the midst of differing opinions. And that's a conversation that is hard to have, especially in our culture now, where you know, it seems like most of us can't agree on much of anything. Our country is divided around politics. The church is divided around politics and interpretation of scriptures and all of these things. Those of you who are familiar with my tribe, the Evangelical Covenant Church, will maybe know that uh, we are in the midst of a very contentious conversation surrounding uh, human sexuality and uh, congregational polity and what it means to disagree or to agree to disagree. And it strikes me that the idea of having these conversations and who is welcome at the table are difficult. And so my hope would be that as we move forward or as we um, look at those things that we would um, use this image of um, having good conversation around the table, looking each other in the eye, and not just taking positions, but allowing one another to be heard and to uh, welcome one another. Unfortunately, it, it seems that we lose our ability for that when we stake our positions and have to have uniformity on on those positions. The covenant has always been a place where, you know, we, from our very beginning, have always 
welcomed the diversity of opinion around non-essential things, non-essential items. And of course, one person's essential is another's non-essential, and that's a whole difficult conversation to have. But ultimately, for me, it seems that we could do better at welcoming one another and listening to one another and having patience with each other as we explore what it means to love well and to live in community and to demonstrate God's hospitality. Because I really do think that regardless of our positions and our interpretations of life and what is right and wrong and, um, you know, what are the correct doctrinal theological positions to hold, that one day um, we're going to be welcomed to this feast, this great heavenly feast where uh, God's going to sit us across the table from someone that maybe we thought wouldn't be there. And we're going to enjoy a great meal and some great wine and hopefully some great conversation. I don't know how exactly we make that happen now, but I do think we can do a better job of it. And I think part of that is just perhaps uh, stepping away from our need to stake positions and to look each other in the eye across the table and to share a glass of wine and some good food and to have some meaningful, deep conversation and to hear each other's stories and then to see what comes out the other side. Because I think that ultimately is where we can provide our culture with and our our world with some needed healing and a demonstration of what it means to live together in unity and um, even though we don't necessarily agree with one another about every uh, topic. That's the funny thing is we think unity means uniformity, and in reality, unity is much deeper and richer than just agreeing about everything. Uh, I think unity is the decision to love one another no matter what, to recognize that we can have different opinions about a whole host of things, both important and unimportant, and we can still gather around the table and have a deep fellowship and demonstrate care and concern for one another and just live life really well and enjoy some good wine in the midst of that. So that's my thought for the day, and I hope that um, we can maybe discuss some of these ideas further around the table and with a good glass of uh, wine sometime soon. All right, take care, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.